Greetings, Cougar basketball fans. Thanks for tuning in to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Much better week for the Charleston Cougars compared to where we were this time last week. On Thursday, Charleston finished a sweep of the UNC Wilmington Seahawks by kicking their butts by 30-plus points at the six. Then on Saturday, the Cougars shook off a slow start on the road and made it a 2-0 week with an 83-70 win over Hampton. Today on the show, we have a first-time guest named Logan Kennedy. Uh, If you attend Charleston basketball games or you just watch the broadcast, you probably know him and his friends. They're the ones in the maroon-striped overalls. We'll get into that more in a minute. Real quick, I want to talk about the big CAA news of the week, which was the new media deal that the league signed. This is something we touched on at the end of the show, Logan and I, but I wanted to kind of put my thoughts together a little bit more. Uh, If you've followed this podcast for a while, you know that I had been counting down the days until the Flow Sports deal finished up. We've come around to it a little bit, but here is a quick overview of the new media deal. Four more years of Flow Sports through 2026-2027. An expanded CBS sports package, so now it's going to be instead of a minimum of 16 regular season men's basketball games, it's going to be a minimum of 20 plus the potential for more based on schedule availability. The CAA tournament semifinals and finals will also still be on CBS Sports Network. Schools will still have the right to sign local linear television deals, and Flow will be cutting a larger check to the CAA. From what we understand, it's now in the eight figures range, and there was a line in the press release about uh, a portion of that money is going to be going back to the schools to enhance the quality of those school broadcasts. So, more of the same, but more money coming into the league. I like the line about the broadcast standards being raised a little bit. We know those are kind of hit or miss depending on the school and the production. More games on CBS Sports, that's a good thing. But let's just dig into the pros and cons here. Start with the cons. Obviously, you're losing exposure by paywalling games on a service that not very many casual fans subscribe to. Right? That's the biggest frustration with Flow Sports. With the CAA deal is that Flow Sports is not something that anybody but a CAA diehard would have, and you're charging those CAA diehards and using that money to pay CBS Sports, which does get you some nationally televised games, which is great, but CBS Sports, while a lot of people get it, you get it if you have YouTube TV, most cable services now include it, but it's not uh, a Nielsen-rated channel, right? It's It doesn't get that big of an audience to, to re- really register there. And the third con for me is that, to this point at least, those television games are equally distributed amongst the CAA teams. Um, It's not like the better teams get more games, which is unfortunate because you have a game like UNCW versus CFC or CFC versus Towson or Towson versus Hofstra that aren't going to be televised, and then you do have a televised game. Like last week, it was Monmouth versus Elon. Like, not the showcase for the league you would want this late in the season. But I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. Maybe it's because we're still building off New Year's resolutions. But there are some pros here, and I think we need to get into those. Number one, it is more nationally televised games than you would get if you partnered with an ESPN, for for example. ESPN has partnerships with just about every other league. They don't have the bandwidth to put 20 CAA games on ESPN, I don't think. At least if you're not cutting a check to ESPN. You know, maybe if you're the A-10 and you have some negotiating power, you can have regional televised games and ESPN games and maybe like some flex scheduling. I don't know if the CAA has that kind of pull. So 
ESPN, especially on the main ESPN network, uh, only has so much space for more college basketball games. Number two, and this is maybe the most important, uh, this is the biggest check that the CAA is going to get, is from Flow Sports, and maybe the decision is as simple as that, right? Like, ESPN is not paying $10 million, $15 million, whatever the number is, to the CAA. They're going to say, we'll put the games on ESPN+, Plus. we'll have a few games on ESPN, you will take it and you will like it. And with that, more money is going back to the schools, which I'm sure the ADs love. I do, again, like that we're trying to raise the production standards, more cameras, better cameras, more reliable technology, better broadcast teams. Like, that's all good. And this last pro doesn't really affect CFC, but there are a lot of CAA teams like Northeastern and Hofstra and Drexel who have regional television deals with Nessun, with Yes Network, with NBC Sports Philadelphia, where they can maintain those relationships with the Flow Sports deal. Flow Sports is going to allow that to happen, whereas an ESPN is not going to be cool with that. So the schools can go out, negotiate local television deals so that their local alumni can tune in. And you can also get, you know, cuts of ad revenue and, and that kind of thing. That's something you can do with this type of deal. Again, not something you can do with an ESPN. So given those pros, given those cons, I guess I'm just kind of meh on the deal. It's just, again, extending what's basically already there, but accounting for more teams and a few more nationally televised games. Look, the exposure thing, I know a lot of people are frustrated with that. Obviously, the CAA is like, we're cool with losing some casual viewers in order to pay for CBS Sports and get people to sign up for Flow. And I see people on message boards talking about, oh, it's going to hurt recruiting. It's going to hurt interest in the schools. I'm not sure I'd go that far. I mean, the CAA is still out recruiting plenty of leagues that have ESPN deals like the Big South. Charleston is bringing in their best recruiting class ever. I don't think teenagers are really even watching that much linear TV at this point. Like, I don't know when the last time I heard of a 15, 16 year old sitting down and watching a full basketball game. Right. They're on Instagram. They're looking at highlights. Now, having said that, I still would have liked to see an ESPN Plus deal. Ideally, with some flex scheduling in place, the A10 and some other leagues, they have, you know, like their game of the week, which is a flex schedule piece. Maybe it's originally supposed to be on a Thursday night. You flex it to Friday and it showcases the best game of the week. That would have been awesome. I don't know if that type of deal was on the table. I would have even settled for, you know, this rumored Paramount Plus deal. Paramount and CBS are one and the same. I would have taken a deal from Apple or Amazon that was for a smaller amount, but at least those streaming platforms have more of an overlap with casual fans than Flow Sports does. But again, maybe I'm just overthinking this whole thing and it was just going to be who's going to pay us the most money and the other side of the matrix is, oh, how many nationally televised games are we going to get? Doesn't matter which network, just tell me which one gives me the most nationally televised games. Okay, that's the Flow Sports and CBS Sports deal. We're done. So if anybody has any additional thoughts or questions, send them my way. This is a topic that is near and dear to me. Stick around to the end of the episode. We have some more thoughts on this. And certainly follow Holy City Hoops on Twitter or Instagram. We talk about this kind of thing there as well. But anyway, let's get into today's show. We'll bring in Logan and go ahead and get started. All right, Charleston basketball fans, we are very pleased to bring in another first-time guest on the podcast he is maybe not someone you recognize by name, but you definitely recognize him by his outfit at games. Logan Kennedy, thanks for coming on this Holy City Poops podcast. Hey, Tommy. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about the overalls. I first noticed 
there is a group of Charleston basketball fans at the games who have these maroon and white striped overalls. You are one of that group. Where did this idea come from? Do you guys have an, like an official like fan like name? What 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 is this? Tell me about it. Yeah, so um, I guess there's probably in the overalls. There's probably depending on the night, uh, five to ten of us. But we've got a group of thirty of us that have season tickets all in section one hundred and fifteen right there. Um, the idea came from one of our buddies, Ben, uh, aka Jason Bourne. He uh, he sent them in in the middle of the summer, and honestly, the reason most of us don't have them is because they sell out very very quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, he just. He sent it in, said this would be great. This is how people would recognize us. We're going to get rowdy at games. And and that was just kind of where it came from. And um been fun because everywhere we go, you know, people recognize us, even though, you know, we're not the ones on the court, but it's it's still fun to get recognized and, and enjoy everything that the Cougars have, have done this year. Well, they've, they've kind of been like your good luck charm because, I mean, if you're going to rock the overalls, it helps to have a team that's killing it at td arena most nights absolutely and now um they've even got teddy bears that they're selling in the uh in the game day store with the overalls on them now wow so. <laughs> do you do you, do you get a cut of that of that revenue you know, you know we mentioned that but no one's no one's approached us about it so mm-hmm. maybe need to find a good lawyer right <laughs> that's tough that's tough i, I wish you, you got looped in on that yeah. All right, man. Well, I know you're a diehard Charleston fan, so let's let's talk some CFC hoops. Uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Hampton game, or do you want to start with UNCW? Uh, we could start with start with the Hampton game. Start fresh. All right, we'll start fresh. Charleston gets another sweep. Uh, this time of the Pirates. The last time Charleston had played this team was in the CAA opener way back in December. They do go down early, uh, gave us a little bit of a scare. They fell down by 15 early in the first half, which I think was their biggest deficit like in CAA play this season, if not the season. But really, this became the Pat Robinson game. Uh, that's how I took it, at least. Before, I thought the Virginia Tech game was that Pat Robinson game, but he gives us a 30-piece in this one, which I, I need to check. I think that might be the highest any Cougar has scored this season. Is that- yeah, I was looking at that earlier. I think Rain had it originally at uh, 29, and I think okay. Pat's the first one to get the 30 this year. Yeah, Rain's had some games where he's been like 27, 29, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't think anybody had hit 30. What would you take away from this game? You know, really just sitting there watching the, the first couple minutes. Obviously, they go down 10-0 early, and you're starting to get a little worried, but just kind of the same thing that we've been seeing all year where some of the main guys you might expect to – to see some of the point production from um, aren't hitting the shots and someone else steps up big and and P Rob was the guy yesterday. Uh, I mean, obviously having 24 points in the first half of, of our what what 42 points. I mean, that's yeah, that's mon- that's a monstrous game, much less a first half. So that was that was great to see. Uh, I feel like he's really tried to play bully ball a lot and it and hadn't been finishing the shots lately um he was against uncw but it was it was nice to kind of see him string it off into a second game and 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 put up the production that he did yesterday against hampton yeah i mean he had 18 against uncw where he felt like he really broke out of that you know lull he had been in and in this hampton game he was even hitting threes like he was hitting everything he was hitting threes he was hitting and ones and I think once he kind of got going, it was like, 
guys were just trying to find him because he was the hot hand, especially right. in that first half. I mean, you mentioned it. He gave us all the production we could get from him. The starters only had seven points in the first half. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what what it was about this Hampton team playing on the road, maybe playing down to the competition, but they looked asleep at the wheel for the first few minutes. Like you mentioned, when Hampton goes up 10-0, easily like, goes up double figures. So really, it was Robinson and then Ben Burnham really carried the team through that first half and got Charleston back. I thought Hampton, and we kind of saw this in the first Hampton game, was like, just very like ISO heavy, like dribble into a guy, try to create some space, hit a mid-range shot. And that's like where all their offense came from in the first half. They were hitting those types of tough shots, like right. kind of contested mid-range shots. Um, once they started to cool off and once Robinson checked into the game, I feel like Charleston was able to, you know, evaporate that lead pretty quickly. And, you know, obviously they stretched it out in the second half. I would also say sneaky good Ryan Larson game. So like absolutely. It, if, if Pat Robinson carried us in the first half, I feel like Ryan Larson really carried us in the second half. Uh, he had 17 points in this game, 15 of those in the second half, six assists, one turnover. Uh, what did you see from Ryan? Yeah, I really I really enjoyed seeing uh, Ryan kind of get back into it. I know he played well against UNCW. You know, he's another one of those guys. He's been great at point. Um, and when he's had tough games, I felt like uh, the team's kind of had tough a tough time with offensive production. So it's been nice having him back. Um, and and really the way he was hitting his shots in the second half, um, I know Hampton kind of kept it close there, but it was, you kind of had that feeling um, after overcoming the 15 point deficit in the first half and then um, getting on that hot start uh, in the second half, you kind of felt like the Cougs had taken a hold of the game and it was really just a matter of just trying to get to the end and, and close it out. Yeah, you mentioned that they start CFC started the second half on a 13 to 2 run. So between, you know, late first half, early second half is really when they they separated themselves in this game and then, you know, they finish it's a double digit road win. Like it's not a not a bad bad win by any means. Right. Um right. but yeah, I, I never would have guessed Ryan Larson had 17 points. I knew he hit some threes in the second half, but I was surprised when I saw that final box score. Um also just one turnover is great to have six assists that's a great ratio for ryan and i mentioned on last week's podcast it was like him raekwon horton and ante berzovich who had all kind of been in like a little bit of a an offensive lull we'll talk about berzovich and the game he had against uncw uh but ryan larson in this game i thought looked like charleston classic ryan larson just like absolutely to- totally in control hit threes found open guys moved the ball uh, i thought he was awesome um you know a little bit of like questionable foul calls uh against the cougars in the second half i thought like when uh hampton was trying to cut it down to like single digits but really i mean i think if charleston hadn't laid such an egg early in the first half this they could have cruised by by 20 plus points in this game i I don't think this hampton team is very good at all actually (laughs) i i i agree um i mean just going back to the first game that we played against them you know i know it was at home uh so a little bit different environment but um at that game it really wasn't ever close from the get it um yeah and that's kind of what we expected to see or i expected to see um in this game too and you know obviously getting hit in the mouth at the beginning of the game was was a little scary but again being up two at half even felt a little bit better having overcome a 15 point deficit and getting production from p rob um among anybody and just knowing that if anybody else got the hot hand in the second half we were going to be more than fine 
yeah yeah you figure you just play back to like average and you know you've already overcome that deficit and you, you'd be okay um ben burnham 13 or more points in each of his last four games and we even got the kenny burnham highlight dunk uh like midway <laughs> through the second half i mean ben burnham i think he's now like fifth on the team in scoring he's like almost averaging 10 a game i don't know what's changed for him if, like since the beginning of the season but he's been on like an absolute tear recently something something has gotten into ben aka kenny burnham that's for sure have you seen um actually pat kelsey tweeted out uh they've got hats for burnham now i was gonna ask you if you saw the hats (laughs) yeah yeah i think i think we all need to get our hands on those those look pretty filthy the the benny buckets hat with the overalls that's what you got that's what you got to rock for the ca tournament i agree i agree i think i think we can make that happen if someone sends us a link we'll we'll make that happen for sure yeah we yeah we got to figure out where benny's getting those manufactured because the people the people will buy those absolutely it's been it's been great seeing him get hot though um i think he's another one of those guys i know i've kept hearing you say it all year on the podcast you know you're you're expecting him to break out and i think i think we've really seen that over the last four or five games he's been he's been our main guy where he comes in he puts in the points puts in the puts in the work plays hard and you just kind of you keep waiting for him to get more and more minutes and i think we're starting to see it because he's he's really been the guy that's that's kind of led the team through um i won't say some some tough breaks but but definitely um been the leader the last few games yeah he's been the most consistent too like you know even some of the starters have some games where they have like three or fewer points but benny is like instant offense every game i think he's you know been probably their most dependable shooter and just in general their most dependable bucket getter i looked it up prior to this he's actually shooting 44 percent uh from three point on the season um which is i believe the highest on the team so that's that's really really solid and you would not expect it you think it's going to be rain or ryan or dalton but it's comfortably benny buckets but also i want to point out um you know i i i it might just be me but i get a little hesitant when uh p rob shoots from three but he went five or six from three uh yesterday so that was i think he kind of broke the hampton broadcasters brains like i don't know if, were you were you watching on flow sports or were you listening to ev uh flow sports Apparently it was like a backup broadcasting team. Uh, they didn't seem like the sharpest uh, duo to to me. Like it seemed like they were, you know, maybe calling their first basketball game. But every time Pat Robinson would line up the the sidewinder three and would swish it, I think they were just like, okay, well that was that was an anomaly. He's not gonna hit. He's not gonna hit too many of those. And even like the free throws, you know, with the wind right. up. Um, and when he was like four for four at one point, they were like, okay, he's he's going to go <laughs> yeah. for 30 plus. <laughs> yeah, when he's hitting that, he's he's like unstoppable because you know he's going to get those bully ball baskets inside. Right, right. And and the three-point three point shooting has got to help with, with the way, with the style he plays because then he gets the ISO out on the, out on the arc and can, and can play his bully ball down into the bucket. One thing I did want to mention here, uh, we did not see Raekwon Horton with the team. We He did not make the trip up to Hampton. From what it sounded like from Pat Kelsey, and this is not me like reporting anything, but just like reading the tea leaves, seems like kind of like an academic issue or like not meeting team standards mm-hmm. on one thing or another. Obviously, the team's going to need Raekwon Horton down the stretch. Um, we saw how good he was in the CAA tournament last year. Um, just hope 
Raekwon Horton, you know, maybe this is like a wake-up call for him and he can get his academics straight or, or get, you know, whatever he needs to do off the court straight because it didn't bite Charleston in this game, but, you know, there could definitely be a, a game down the stretch where not having Raekwon Horton to defend a, a player or get you, you know, a couple extra buckets is going to hurt them. I right. Think. Do we, so do we know? Is it a, a one-game deal? Is it a two-game deal? It sounded... It sounded like, so Pat Kelsey said in the post game, it was something like, um, I hope Ray, this is a wake up call for Ray. And, you know, it's like almost like they're taking it day by day. Like if he turns it around this week, I bet we'll see him hopefully in that Northeastern mm-hmm. game uh, Monday night. But um, yeah, just seem, I, I know the team had like missed a bunch of classes recently with all the travel too. Maybe it was related to that. Um, hopefully it's just a one game thing though. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you have from this one before we move on to UNCW? No, just um, I just like to point out, you know, in the in the two losses, uh, we struggled from. I think we've been we had been averaging from three about thirty percent on the year, and we were well below that. And the last few games, we've been shooting at that forty percent range from three or forty percent mark from three. So that's been that's just been consistently nice to see too. Well, that that's a nice lead into the UNCW game because the team could not miss in this game, and we've been talking about it like. Maybe assessing this team is as simple as when they hit threes, they look unbeatable, and when they miss threes, they look average. That was true in this UNCW game, where Charleston shot 50% from the field as a team, 42% from behind the arc, 80% from the line. 93-61 is the final. I'll ask you this. Was this the most dominant win of the year? The most satisfying? Both? Neither? I think both. Um, Because obviously you go into this game, you know, UNCW is a big one. Um, you kind of had that big win against Delaware on the road to get back on track. Uh, but still, as a fan, I was feeling maybe a little uneasy going into the game. You see the spread at nine and a half, and you kind of question it a little bit. UNCW looking for revenge. Yeah. yeah big rivalry yeah. game for them, too. Right. And I, and I want to say they were even up for a good chunk of the first 10 minutes of the first first half. Um, and then CFC just went on a 18-2 to run, I believe, and closed out the first half and just really never looked back, which which was great to see. Yeah, I think they got punched in the mouth midway through that first half. I think Charleston probably drained like two or three threes in a row and they went on one of those like runs that we know they're capable of doing. And UNCW, yeah, they, they kind of folded. Cougars lead 20 at the break. They actually build on that in the second half to make it the final 32-point victory. At one point in the first half, Pat Robinson and Ben Burnham almost outscored UNCW on their own. Like they had 24 points and UNCW as a team had 25. They were just hitting everything. I thought Ante Berzovich in this game was unstoppable. 23 points. He only played 22 minutes. He also had seven boards. I think if he had played, you know, a full, a full minutes load, like probably almost approaches 30 points himself. Uh, It just seemed like UNCW had nobody who could stop Ante Berzovich. I mean, he was hitting from inside, outside, Early in the game, I think he scored like seven straight uh, to like give Charleston a lead. Uh, what's what's your take on the big guy, the big Croatian? Yeah, um, I love Ante. Um, I know you do too. I, I, I hear it on the pod all the time. Um, it's true. I, I really like Ante, and he's kind of been going through one of those slumps too where he's he's been getting the looks and they just haven't been dropping for him uh, down low. And so it was really nice to see early him finishing him finishing off those looks as well as hitting a couple of big threes from his spot up there at the top of the key. Um, and then also, I mean, just anytime you get Ante going like that, it's, 
you know, it's just going to be unstoppable for the other team. Um, it's been so nice having Charleston have a big man finally um, that can put up points, but also can shoot the three. It just, it, it felt like in years past when the high, with the tallest guy on the team is six, eight, you're always just kind of missing something. And Ante has been that, been that missing key when he's really gotten going. And it's been, when he has those kind of games, it's just, it's so fun to sit back and watch. The shots he was missing, like the last couple of games, it was like the over the shoulder kind of like jump hook. And then when he kind of like drives on a smaller guy and like lays it like high up the off the glass, it was like those two shots just were not falling for him. And these, these past two games they have been, and I feel like it like gets his confidence going. And then he's like, you know, facing guys up. He's like playing more aggressive. He's playing through contact. So yeah, great to see him bust out of his slump in a, in a big way in this game. And going against going against Ferrar while we're at it, you know that's that's always a little, a little that's always a little nice. I mean, there's just a little extra extra honey in the pot, right? That's I that's I nice saw the see. did you see the the Nick Ferrar T-shirts at the game? <laughs> yeah, there was a guy wearing I want to say it was Ferrars before getting the CFC yeah. uh, T-shirt, yes. which is very very funny. Hey, props props to the fans for being that engaged and knowing that Nick Farrar, you know, went to UNCW. That's, that's the kind of stuff I love to see as an alum. Yeah. It's like, you know, doing, doing your homework. Um, yeah, we and, saw and to we, our, we to saw, our rival, no less. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, no. And he's now Owen two against the kooks. Yep. Um, yeah, we saw a little thigh versus Farrar, which was fun. Cause obviously they probably went at each other in practice, you know, all last year. Um, yeah. Farrar is, he almost hit a potential game winner, you know, last time around, but uh, he's kind of been a non-factor in like the two the two Charleston games. Um, Ante, yeah, got the better of him in this one. So much scoring in this game, actually, that even Jalen Scott got in on the fun. I'm glad uh, you mentioned that. I'm very happy you mentioned that. Eight points, uh, hit the spin move, got UNCW with the spin move one time, and then he's, I mean, he was the hero for his defense in that first UNCW game, he still played solid defense, but any any offense you can get from Jalen Scott's a plus. Yeah, it's been it's been great. It was really awesome seeing him actually drive and score um, in yeah. the game. It's it's been a little frustrating um, the last few games where you see him with these open looks and he either dishes it out or drives in and then dishes it out. Um, it just kind of felt like you know, you, you know, he's got so much potential and you saw it at the beginning of the year and in the in the Charleston Classic that when he does put his mind to it, he can score. And it's yeah. Um, and it's a big deal. And just and he hit some big shots. He hit um, I forget the game at the beginning of the season, but he hit a big, big time three. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the guy can score. So it's a little frustrating to see him almost feel like he's just not not even trying. So that was that was great to see. And I feel like that's a, just that's that adds another additional person that the teams have to worry about once you have Jalen Scott out there and he's actually trying to score. For sure. I think it just makes him that much harder to guard. Um, and it, he, he can get his point. Like he can pick his spots and like, you know, especially when he has like a smaller guy on him, like just drive in, like you can, you can keep the offense going Jalen Scott. You don't need to yeah. just pass it off. Right. Um, so yeah, maybe that, maybe this is a sign of things to come. Although I don't think he did much in that, in that Hampton game. I think he got, you know, a few, few garbage buckets off offensive rebounds and stuff but um yeah uh speaking of defense like Jalen Scott's obviously like the point man but pretty good defense in this game from the Cougars I mean you limit UNCW to just 61 points in a game that's a high enough pace that Charleston scores almost 100 so like pretty pretty good defense they forced 18 turnovers uh nine of those were steals 
which I thought was a, a big differentiator. Like it actually let Charleston like get out and run and hit threes and kind of like hit some daggers against the Seahawks. 19 points off turnovers for the Cougars. Again, like if you're getting offensive rebounds, if you're turning the other team over and hitting threes, Charleston's really tough to beat. Absolutely. And and we saw a lot of that um, the first time we played them in the first half. Charleston was kind of able to to put uh, their will in the game and, and play their own pace. And I think the second half, UNCW kind of clawed back into it and slowed the game down a little. And it was just nice that from that run at the end of the first half throughout the entire second half, just seeing Charleston keep the keep the pace that they want to play and really just control the whole game was was really, really fun to see. Yeah, there was like one stretch early in the second half where I think UNCW goes on a 7-0 run. Charleston had like some dumb fouls and some bad turnovers, but really besides that, I mean, they kicked it into gear right afterward. The other thing that stood out to me was the rebounding advantage. Uh, Charleston out-rebounds UNCW 42-23 in this one. Uh, way different from the first matchup when UNCW basically kept it even on the boards with Charleston, but if you get all these ingredients going at the same time, that is why you're going to see like a, a blowout like this. Charleston really didn't have like any leaks in, in what they want to do in this game. Right. And that's, that's just another one of those games that uh, as a fan, you're, you're sitting there watching and you know, we get up 20 and you're hoping for 30, you get up 30 and you start hoping for 40. Yeah. And that's really fun to watch, but it was also one of those that was gratifying because again, you go and you instantly check the, the Ken Palm rankings afterwards, right? And you see us take a huge jump. Um, and it's just, it's another one of those things that adds to this historically special year. Um, beating UNCW, who, I mean, they're they're a very, very good team um, by 32 at your own place. I mean, a team that we beat at the buzzer earlier in the season. Um, just just great to see. And, and, and hopefully it gives the team a lot of confidence going into these what last five games that we have you and i are both alums we know what the uncw rivalry is we know that they got the better of charleston last year so it's nice just to kind of put put uncw back in their place a little yeah. bit you know yeah. give them and <laughs> give them a beat down correct me if i'm wrong i, I want to say we hadn't beaten them in two or three years um yeah going into yeah, this even, season so sweeping them was nice even yeah even during some of their down years like after they fired cb mcgrath like they still i think swept us like that next season when like Rob Burke was the coach, obviously they knocked us out of the tournament last year. So yeah, good to good to get back on the winning ways against, against the Seahawks. Um, was the crowd still engaged when the Cougars were up like 20 plus? Yeah. Um, obviously it was, it was a little bit quieter in the second half. Um, but you know, you'd get a big three hit or you'd, you'd get a still and it ends in a layup um, and the crowd would kind of get going again, which was nice. And then obviously once, once you had the, uh, the walk-ons come in, that was, that got everybody going again yeah. too. That's always fun to see. Yeah. The white, the whiteout crowd seemed pretty solid from, from my vantage point. Um, I know it was a sellout, but they were also like loud and engaged and stuff. A few celebrity sightings. Danny McBride was, was in attendance and some other, some other folks, yeah, I have like no notes. I mean, it was awesome. Like we beat a big rival by 30 plus points. I have very little criticism for the game. It was just, it was sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think just kind of touching on just the fact that it, I mean, it came from Ante, it came from Kenny Burnham, it came from P-Rob, 
just again, you love seeing that that consistency that we've that we've had all year where it's not the same guy each night. So inconsistent consistently, you know, I don't yeah. I don't know the best way to put it, but it's I, I, I that's probably my favorite thing about this team. Um, whereas back in the Riller days, uh, if people stopped Riller, people stopped us. Right. Um, so yeah. it's been it's been great to see the production come from come from everyone. And uh, that was just another one of those games where um, it's more of the same. Can I get on my Grant Riller soapbox for a moment? Yeah. Why is he not in the NBA? Like, he put up it's 46 get- <laughs> the other night. It's get, it's getting ridiculous at this point. He's yeah. he he was like leading the G League in scoring when G League All Star voting began, and he did not get into the All Star game, which I find pretty ridiculous. Um, he has forty six in in a win the other night. Uh, yesterday, Saturday night, he had thirty one. Like the I Mavs, mean, what's he averaging thirty five a game? The guy, <laughs> I don't care yeah. what league you're in, that's an insane stat. Yeah. So the Mavs, I know they just brought in Kyrie, but you got this guy Grant Riller in your in your G League on your G League team. They've already the Mavs have already signed and waived Kemba Walker. They had to ship out some pieces to get Kyrie, but like league him. Put him in the league. Let's see the what guy, he can the do. The guy deserves a chance. The guy really deserves a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that call comes sooner rather than later. If it's not the Mavs, maybe it's some other team, you know, now that we're past the NBA trade deadline, people need pieces uh somebody pull them up do it do us all a solid all right so looking at the schedule ahead charleston is going to play i mean this podcast is going to come out monday morning so they play tonight northeastern at home here come down the stretch like for me it's just just win just win these games doesn't matter yep. by how much you need to keep winning you have three of your final four games at home if you're the cougars that game against elon on the road is going to be tough but we need wins and we need a hofstra loss more than anything. Hofstra's going to play Drexel at Hofstra, so it's going to be tough for the Dragons because they look like, look like a completely different team on the road. Uh, but we need a Hofstra loss, and the Cougars need to win out if we're going to get that one seed in, in regular season championship. I think I saw Drexel did just take down Towson. Uh, was that mm-hmm. was that yesterday? Yeah, yeah, in overtime. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's out there, but, you, but to not be a Debbie Downer, but you look at that Hofstra schedule and they just, I don't know where, yeah, I don't know where we're going to need them to slip up and I don't know where we're going to get that. Charleston still got to play Towson at home. They got to go on the road at Elon, which Elon is looking better. Um, Should be an easy win, but they're looking better. Uh, Yeah. But Hofstra's schedule is cake the rest of the way. And credit to them. Like they had a front loaded schedule and they took care of business and beat, beat good teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like one of their only losses is at the buzzer. So um, Hofstra's good. You know, it's not like the tournament, your your schedule in the tournament is not very different if you're the one seed or the two seed. And I think Charleston's pretty close to locking up a bye at this point. Like maybe just one or two more wins will get him, get him there. Uh, Drexel and UNCW are fighting for, you know, that, that final bye spot with Towson. Got to root for these teams playing Hofstra. Uh, but more importantly, if you're Charleston, you just have to keep winning because you, you definitely can't afford a loss if you want to win the uh, the number one seed. Absolutely. And, and and that number one seed is big. Um, do you think our resume has what it needs? Or even if we don't win the regular season, we would get an NIT bid if we were to not make the NCAA? I think, yeah, I, I think we're pretty close to an NIT bid. I think if we finish second in the league, having had that win streak, having had that national ranking, I think the NIT would take us. Um, yeah. But 
you know, more than that, I want that number one seed for the tournament because you get the most ideal kind of dates and, and times in right. DC. The other thing is like, either in the semifinals or the finals, you're going to have to play two of those top four teams, like either Towson, Hofstra, UNCW. Like you're going to have to play them twice, in, presumably in the semis and the quarterfinals when it gets down to the final four. So like in that regard, it like doesn't really matter where you are. Like you're probably going to have to play those teams. But for like seeding purposes in, in the NCAA tournament and like ease of, of winning in DC, I'd, I'd rather have that one seed. I'd rather go for it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, do we know will will the CAA tournament be on CBS? Semifinals and finals. Okay. Quarterfinals will be on Flow. You got to make the trip up there, man. Yeah. We need I, all Cougar fans up in DC. That's the plan. When the boys see the striped overalls, hopefully we'll hopefully we'll get them going. Get a. We need a bus full of overall clad Charleston <laughs> alums with Benny buckets hats on to cheer cheer the Cougs on. I mean, um, they can't lose then, right? No. No. Uh, you got anything else you want to cover today? I mean, I know you mentioned the Flow Hoops contract. I don't know if you wanted to go over that at all, just a little bit. Ooh. Yeah, I did not mention that at all. Um, I'm somewhat disappointed. I-, I need to, like, collect my thoughts and have, like, a Flow, ex- like, a media deal exclusive podcast. Because, like, number one, like, the ESPN thing isn't going to happen as long as the rest of the CAA teams want to have their games on regional television. Like, ESPN's not going to be cool with that. And, like, as long as Hofstra wants to be on, like, Yes Network, whatever they're on, Northeastern's on Nessun, and Drexel's on NBC Sports Philly, and, like, as long as those are happening, I don't see ESPN Plus happening. I I would still take ESPN Plus over Flow, obviously. Um, I think the biggest thing for the Flow deal is that Flow's going to cut the biggest check for the league, and that, it might just be as simple as that. Like, the is going to take the, the deal that pays them the most. I know a lot of fans are frustrated that, like, it reduces the exposure for CFC hoops. I agree with that. It's a bummer. We're probably still getting more national televised games on CBS than we would on ESPN because, like, ESPN only has like limited bandwidth. They they'd probably give you like a Friday night game or something, or like an early Tuesday game or some bad time slot. So yeah, you're probably still getting more national exposure that way. Um, but you are losing like some casual fans. The other thing that like probably is going unsaid, and this might be a hot take. I don't think recruits or prospective students watch full basketball games. I don't think like teenagers watch full basketball games anymore. I think recruits are watching House of Highlights right. and they're on their Instagram feed and they're watching like, and that's why teams need to invest like Charleston has in like video content because like that's what recruits see. I don't right. see like a 16, 17 year old being like, oh, it's quarter to seven. I need to like sit down on the couch and pull up the, the game. Like, I, I don't think that happens anymore. So um, and it's not like the Flow Sports deal has hurt Charleston in recruiting. They have their best recruiting class coming in. It's not like the Big South or other teams on ESPN are like getting better recruits anyway. So uh, yeah, that's like just my word vomit of, of what I think, but whatever. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think obviously it can be a little bit of a pain. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that they could do to maybe better improve the broadcast. Um, For but sure. I think, I, think uh, I mean, obviously the CBS the CBS contract is huge. I mean, having, having that exposure on CBS and being able to watch our bigger games on CBS has been, has been awesome. But I think my biggest uh, problem with it was for a game like the UNCW game at UNCW, where you have the two largest winning streaks 
in the nation going against each other and no one sees it. And it ended up the game. It was one of the few times where the game lives up to the hype too. And, yeah. and no one sees it. And that's, that's where I have a problem with it too, because you're already struggling as a mid-major to get your name out there um, to try and get into the NCAA tournament. And then you have these games on flow hoops and you're just having, you're just getting these guys that are probably voting on selection Sunday that are, looking at the score sheet and that's it yeah. Um, yeah instead of watching your actual body of work throughout the game and that's that's where some of the frustration comes in yeah i think that's totally fair there was national interest in that uncw cfc game and a lot of casuals weren't able to tune in right and yeah i'm with you i think there is some national media who is not going to pay for flow just to watch charleston who's like a fringe bubble team you know right so yeah yeah, that that definitely hurts you. Um, but again, I, I think if you're like if you're one of these ads, you're like, okay, how much does that matter for the league, like as a whole? Um, and are we okay giving giving up like some potential casual viewers for this giant check that is apparently like uh, what like eight figures like yeah. for for the league? And they said they're gonna like spread the the money around to try to improve the broadcast, which is like you said, much needed. Um, I think there's still some fans who think flow is like sending out broadcast equipment and like, that's not how it happens. It's like the school is putting on the broadcast. It'd be the same thing if it was on ESPN plus. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, if they could just bring up the production quality, especially with some of the new members who kind of lacking and like maybe do like some like weekly content around like what's happening in the league. Like I would love something like that. Right. Um, flow has to give some value beyond paywalling the the content <laughs> agreed agreed but i mean eight figures for a mid-major um that goes not a long getting way. that from espn espn's yeah. not paying you that so yeah and i think our, our our basketball budget alone is what maybe a couple million so um yeah yeah if they that's, split, that's huge if for they us split that evenly with with the league yeah it's a nice nice chunk of change and so again maybe we're all overthinking it and it's just a matter of dollars if you're the ca commissioner you're like what's the big what's the best deal cool that, that's the one we're taking yeah it's uh so a few more years of flow but more more cbs games like this the new contract has like at least 20 games versus at a minimum 16 and i hope they just build in some flex scheduling so that if you do get a marquee matchup we're not stuck with like Elon versus Hampton. We can actually flex it to a, a real game. Right. I think that would be huge is getting, getting a flex and, and being able to put those huge games that maybe you didn't foresee being the type of game that UNCW Charleston was going to be earlier this year. Um, and getting that on CBS is, I think that would be a huge deal. And that'd be a huge win. I think that would take away a lot of my, a lot of my complaints. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. All right, man. Well, I think this was a, a solid podcast. I appreciate you rolling through and i just hope to see the overalls more frequently hopefully up yeah. in dc but you got three more home games to rock them too yep yep uh i really enjoyed coming on tommy thanks thanks for having me and um that's the plan we're gonna have as many overalls as we can up there hopefully uh hopefully behind the bench screaming at our boys with benny bucket hats on right that's the dream i would love that appreciate it logan thanks for coming on yep see ya